I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. This week, we go back in time to a forward-reaching musician, Jimi Hendrix. My first concert ever was seeing the Jimi Hendrix experience with the Soft Machine, an air apparent opening at the Framingham Carousel Theater. The bar was set high. I'd see him again in 1970 at the Boston Garden, and I've been immersed in his music ever since. I never got to talk to Hendrix, but I always wanted to talk with Eddie Kramer, who engineered and or produced all three experience recordings and many of the subsequent posthumous releases. Among them is a new disc of the experience called Los Angeles Forum, April 26, 1969. It's a live recording of the group at its peak. That provided my opportunity to finally talk with Eddie Kramer, as well as Hendrix biographer and curator, John McDermott. Listen up, and you might be able to give a positive answer to the question, are you experienced? Before we get to that, the end of the year is around the corner. As a listener, I need your help to get Echoes and the Echoes podcast out of 2022 in the black. In the last year alone, the podcast has featured Sheila Chandra, The Black Angels, Rebecca Pigeon, Daniel Lenoir, Luminette, Klaus Schulze, Steve Reich, Zola Jesus, Van Gellis, Laurie Anderson, and many, many more. Help us continue to bring you more of these great interviews. The challenges facing Echoes are immense, but we continue moving forward. And no matter what those challenges are, one thing is always true. Echoes will have the flag high for new music and remembering the sounds in our DNA. You and the artists are why we do what we do. Go to echoes.org and hit the support Echoes button. Do your seasonal good deed. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. And now, Eddie Kramer and John McDermott turn us on with Jimi Hendrix. Let's make some noise. The Hendrix Experience. Let it go. Yeah, okay, okay then. Okay, we're all at church, all right? Pretend there's a sky above you, all right? Yeah. Jimmy was intuition on steroids with 100% of genius thrown in. Uh, ability to be able to uh, make his guitar talk like nobody else. He was an off-the-rack guitar guy, so it wasn't as if he was spending hours changing necks. And no way, man. You just put a guitar in his hands, he could flip it over and kill on it. So he just had that gift. I still got my guitar. Look at it. November 27th, 2022, guitarist Jimi Hendrix would have been 80 years old. Unfortunately, he barely made it a third of that way, leaving the planet on September 18th, 1970. But his legacy continues on and still 55 years after the debut album by The Jimi Hendrix Experience, he remains the greatest guitarist ever.
two people who know all about this are Eddie Kramer and John McDermott. McDermott is a Hendrix archivist, Hendrix biographer, and curator of Hendrix's recordings on behalf of Experience Hendrix. Eddie Kramer is an engineer and producer who was with Hendrix from the beginning and engineered all of Hendrix's four essential albums. He's also produced most of the posthumous releases once the Hendrix family got the rights to his work back. Recently, a new live recording from Jimi Hendrix only solidifies the guitarist's reputation. It's the Jimi Hendrix Experience recorded at the Los Angeles Forum on April 26, 1969, and Hendrix blisters the room instantly with a then-unreleased instrumental track, Tax Free. I spoke to John McDermott on the Riverside app. He's in his home in Boston with his walls decked out with Hendrix album covers. You know, the fact that they come out and play Tax Free, a song that wasn't on any album, was an instrumental, you know, with all these kind of interesting time signature changes and things like that. You know, like he just wasn't out there shilling the single, getting them riled up and running out the back door. I mean, he literally wanted to create something that was special. Dermott was born in 1963, so he never experienced Hendrix firsthand, but Eddie Kramer, who was 80, did. Born in South Africa, coming of age in England, he now resides in Prince Edward County, Virginia. He's in his home with platinum albums by Jimi Hendrix behind him. But from 1967 to 1970, he was sitting in front of Hendrix as he created those essential albums. Are You Experienced, Axis, Bold as Love, and Electric Ladyland. His musicality is what triumphed in the end. His musicality, his sensitivity, the emotional content, it's just, it never ceases to amaze me. On this new album um, that just came out, the 1969 show at the <laughs> LA Forum, is an absolute gem. It shows Jimmy at the top of his game. The band sounds amazing. And it's what is going on between him and the audience and how the guitar sounds and how he is so sensitive to the room, what the vibe in the audience was. And thank God they were very receptive. There are times during this performance where I scratch my head and go, good grief, I've never heard that before. How the hell did he do that? Hendrix's solos and albums were often comprised of multiple overdubs and studio effects, but you'd never know that seeing him on stage, John McDermott. Hopping up these tone control pedal devices that Roger Mayer created for him, you know, to shift and shade his sound. You're right, those were elemental parts of his approach, but at the end of the day, it's three foot pedals and a couple of Marshall amps. There ain't a whole lot going on there other than what's in that guy's two hands. You can hear that clearly on his live recordings. Ooh,
Jimi Hendrix is perceived as an avatar of the psychedelic era. It's easy to interpret his songs, sounds, and imagery as hallucinogen-inspired from Purple Haze... to the question on, are you experienced, voiced over a backwards rhythm track. But first, are you experienced? What was Spanish Castle Magic? As Hendrix sang, it's all in your mind, a little bit of daydream here and there. Both Kramer and McDermott downplay or sidestep the role of LSD in Hendrix's music. I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard because it's a singular experience, and but I don't know that it was the defining experience because I think, in many ways, if you look at his evolution, you know, you're talking about a guy who is going from, say, Testify with the Isley Brothers in 1964 to Machine Gun in December of 69. In some ways, I think it was of the time and of the moment, and certainly like, you know, the Beatles and Stones and everybody of that period, you know, there was something there. Maybe there was an energy from that or a freedom that was associated with that. But I think all that other stuff, LSD, the times, that shaded his creativity. But I, I don't know that I would agree with you and say that, you know, it had a significant impact on it. Just Jimi Hendrix was among the artists to put noise into music. Using controlled feedback and all kinds of distortion, he exulted in pure sound. In the studio, he and Kramer experimented with tape manipulation, playing tapes backwards, altering speed and pitch, cutting up segments to create something unplayable by hand and unexpected by your ears. In many ways, he was taking lessons from early avant-gardists like Pierre Schaeffer and Karl-Heinz Stockhausen right up through the Beatles. It was the joy of noise. Well, in some people's opinion, it would be noise, and others it would be absolutely the most marvelous thing they've ever heard. For me, sitting in the studio, listening to him play and pull stuff from the ether through his brain into his guitar was always breathtaking, no matter what the quote-unquote noise factor was. In fact, my gig was to try to help that noise become something other than noise. Hendrix's bandmates, bassist Noel Redding and drummer Mitch Mitchell, were sometimes anchors in the Hendrix maelstrom, but often they were out there screaming free with the guitarist, as on this live version of I Don't Live Today.
At other times, noise would be a whole world in itself. Nowhere is that more evident than the Star Spangled Banner. Most people know the Woodstock version of the track, which turned out to be definitive, but it started in the studio in March of 69 and came out like this. But a month later, Hendrix had performed it out on the road. At the LA Forum show, it had acquired this sound. Jimmy had been playing Star Spangled Banner in quite a few shows, and you could tell that this was a transitional point. He's messing around with different ideas. One of the cool things, though, I think he does is he's using a tiny little gap by telling the audience, Here's a song that we was all brainwashed with. Remember this oldies but goodies? And it's like, oh, God, there's that political statement in 1969, and here we are 53 years later. It's still valid. Don't mess with us, you know. It's genius. Four months later, at Woodstock, it exploded into this. One of Eddie Kramer's crowning studio achievements with Hendrix was the seaside of the double album Electric Ladyland. It is an electro-symphonic expanse centered by Hendrix's 13-minute aquatic journey of the soul. 1983, a merman I should turn to be. It moves from orchestral guitar hymns to abstract ambient wanderings. That's Jimmy and I working together to uh, create wacky sounds and cool things that made one think of outer space. And I mean, Jimmy's vibe, you know, his imagination and how he thought about structures of songs and the lyrics came from uh, comic books and the fact that he loved science fiction. Chas Chandler and he would stay up nights talking about science fiction and talking about lyrics and it obviously inspired him. So this track gives one a, a nice big palette in which to sort of really do sonic um, paintings and that's what we did.
If you've ever seen Jimi Hendrix live or any of the performance film of him, you could see that he was one with his guitar. His movements on stage were physical realizations of the sounds he was creating, often actually part of crafting those sounds. And you can definitely hear that in the LA Forum show. It's an extension of his body. It is without question. That guy was comfortable with that instrument in his hand. You know, he could do any of those moves, play behind his head with his teeth. Like, he had done it all on the Chitlin circuit, but as part of his own songs, he was a guy who totally understood the stage dynamic. The Chitlin circuit was basically where blues and R&B was performed throughout the South and Upper Midwest. That's where Hendrix honed his skills, backing Curtis Knight, the Isley Brothers, and Little Richard. Even then, this sound was already in Hendrix's mind. Had tremendous imagination about sounds and was able to translate that through the guitar just with minimal effects. I mean, you had a fuzz, a wah, distortion, and maybe the Octavia, but it was how he played. The attention to detail in the playing, the dynamics that he could create and the sounds that he heard in his head, he was able to just use the guitar as his weapon. That's it. He turned the whole rock and roll blues ethic on its head. Jimi Hendrix Experience, it is still the sound of tomorrow and your dreams. The album Los Angeles Forum, April 26, 1969 by The Jimi Hendrix Experience is out now on Experience Hendrix and Sony Legacy. Thank you, thank you. I will have a link to the Los Angeles Forum, April 26, 1969 release in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. And again, that's the same place where you can support Echoes and the podcast during our winter fun drive. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org. O-R-G. We will be off till after the new year, although I might throw in a bonus podcast in there for the best albums of 2022 on Echoes. You can see our top 30 list now at echoes.org. I'm John DiLiberto. Have a great holiday and tune in for a week of seasonal shows from December 19th through the 23rd on Echoes. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next time, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.